It's great to see each and every one of you here today. It's a privilege that we have to be here to worship together. Uh, I really appreciate the prayer that Leonard prayed this morning. And as he began that prayer, I think he set the tone for us as he stated in his prayer that we love to be here. And I hope that's your attitude today. Again, it's, it's great for us to be here. And, and that being said, I want to talk about attitudes and, and what is your attitude like? Does it need an adjustment every once in a while? You know, an attitude is hard to define, but it's extremely easy to spot. Recently, I was in a crowd of people, and, and this woman walked in. She had a t-shirt, said, I'm 5'3", but my attitude is 6'1". I've seen bumper stickers, you know, I have an attitude and I know how to use it. Uh, how many times have you inter interacted with someone and you've walked away and you said, man, he or she has an attitude? And that's so true. We are affected by people's attitudes, good or bad. You know, we run into people on a daily basis that they're cheery, they have a bright personality, and you appreciate that. And that attitude, they exude, and it's something that affects us. But on the other hand, there are those with negative attitudes, too. And I'm going to list just a few here, and, and I see myself in some of these. Maybe you will identify yourself in some of them, but, but let's look at these, and then we'll... We'll begin our study and, and talk about attitude and, and what the Bible has to say about it. You know, there's an attitude of I'm always right. We've all encountered people like that. There's the complainer. You know, there's some people. I, I had a, a teacher one time of, of a student. She said you would gripe if your ice cream is cold. You know, there's just people that find something to complain about. There are those people that are busier than everybody else. You know, we live in a busy world. But the truth is, everybody else is busy too. So let's don't always be talking about all the things we've got to do and how we're put upon. There's the me attitude. Those that I'm going to be concerned with me and what my needs are and not even be concerned about others. There's the victim attitude. And how often do we see that in our society today? People that have suffered circumstances certainly but then they internalize that and they become the victim and everything that happens is against them what about the constant griper this goes along with the complainer I guess but people that just gripe no matter what the circumstance is and then there's the poor pitiful me attitude we all have that every once in a while don't we I, I have there's difficult things that happen and and we just you know poor pitiful me that's just a few of the things that come to my mind, and I'm sure you can think of others. But as we think about attitude, a loose definition of attitude is a way of thinking that is reflected in one's behavior. Again, we behave in a way, and that attitude is portrayed so that other people see it. Proverbs 12, verse 8 says, A man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he is who of a perverse heart will be despised. Again, we interact with people on a daily basis, and those people of wisdom, people that have a good attitude, we love and appreciate being around them, don't we? But this verse says someone who is of a per perverse heart, somebody that just has a twisted view of things, those people you don't want to be around, you don't want to hang out with them, and, and you choose not to do that. In Luke 6, verse 45, the Bible says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. You know, 
whatever is inside is going to come out. It is expressed, our heart, what we feel, what we think about is, is expressed in our attitude. Our attitude is expressed in many ways. One is facial expressions, and this is one Rhonda has to remind me from time to time that too often my face shows exactly what I'm thinking. We have tone of voice. We can respond to people in a tone of voice that throws an attitude out there. How about the way we perform a task? Have you ever been in a place of business, a fast food restaurant or whatever, and the person that's waiting on you, they exude an attitude of, I don't want to be here, I'm not happy with my job, and I really could care less whether you're here or not. They don't verbalize that, but they certainly portray that in the way they respond to you, in the way they wait on you, the way they act. You know, a good attitude, a healthy attitude, is one that draws people in, it inspires people, it makes them feel welcome and accepted. On the other hand, a negative attitude is one that tends to push people away and often turn them off completely. Again, we've got to be very careful about this because as Christians, we have a responsibility to evangelize. And if I have an attitude that turns people off just by the way I act, there's no way that I'm going to ever draw them into a conversation or a Bible study to have an influence on their soul. I've got to be very careful about that and not allow an, a negative attitude to be harmful to the cause of Christ. As Christians, we are extremely, it, it, it is extremely important how we are perceived and received by others. What was Jesus' instruction to his disciples? In Matthew 10, verse 16, as Christ sent them out on the limited commission, he said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So what was Christ saying to his disciples? He simply said, be aware of your surroundings. Be wise. Be watchful. He also says, be careful about your attitude, right? He didn't say that in words, but he said, be harmless as doves. Don't offend with your words. Don't offend with your actions. I also think about a time when Christ was traveling with James and John, and they went through a city of the Samaritans, and they were not received there. As they left the city, James and John, they said, Christ, you want us to call down fire on those people? He reminded them that their attitude was completely wrong. And there's no way that we're going to win souls or win people with a bad attitude. Our attitude reflects what we believe. As we interact with others, Christians or non-Christians, what does our attitude reveal to them? Do the things that we focus on and the things that we talk about reflect our faith? Or do we talk about all the conspiracy theories that are out there? You know, since our last election cycle, I think we've all heard the completely unbelievable stories about who the president is, who's in power, who's not in power, how corrupt our government is, and all these different things. If a little bit of that, or even if the whole part of that is truth, is that really what we as Christians want to talk about? Is that what we want to consume our time with? We've got to ask ourselves a question, are those things 
something that's going to affect my soul or my eternal destination. Absolutely not. So why do we want to spend our time on those things? Our attitude reveals the real you in the moment. Proverbs 27, verse 19, As in water, faces reflect, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. This verse speaks of a reflection in the water. I think of a mirror. When we look in the mirror, we get a reflection back. Our soul, our heart, our thoughts, our intents are reflected in what we do each and every day. And people see that. Our way of thinking reveals what's going on inside of our hearts. Now, I know this is not a toy that probably a lot of young children play with today, but when I was a kid, we had a jack-in-the-box. And you'd turn that crank, you know, and you don't know just how many times, but eventually that jack-in-the-box is going to pop out. That's true with our attitude. We may can keep, keep it stuffed down for just a little while, but eventually it's going to come out, and everybody's going to know what's in our heart by what we talk about, by the way we react with other people. Our attitude reflects what we are. Again, I go back to Luke 6 and verse 45, and I want to read the rest of that verse as we continue. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Isn't that very true? It doesn't take long before we know exactly what's in a person's heart because it's revealed in what they talk about, what consumes their time. Our attitude reflects what we will do. Romans 8, beginning in verse 6, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of, of God, nor indeed can be. The Christian life is filled with choices. Our choices tend to make or break us. Paul writes that a mind that is ruled by the flesh, a mind that is consumed on self and selfish desires, produces nothing but death. And that's a very strong outcome. Death is simply separation from God. And that has an effect in this life, and very obviously in the life to come. The other choice is to be spiritually minded, to have a mind that is directed by the Holy Spirit, by God's Word. That is to allow the Spirit to reign over our thoughts, our desires, and our actions. To be spiritually minded is to seek and to submit our will and our views to that of the Holy Spirit. Our attitudes reflect, affect relationships. Let's read from Philippians 2, beginning in verse 1. Uh, yes, in verse 1, Therefore, if there, if there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit... If any affection and mercy, verse 2, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, 
but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than himself. Let each of you look not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, let's think about that. You know, I cannot change someone else's attitude. But I can, through my words, my expressions, my actions, I can change the environment in which that attitude exists. And I want to share an illustration with you. We live in three spheres. We have a sphere of control. We have a sphere of influence. And then there's a sphere of concern. And I want us to look at those things. First of all, let's look at the sphere of control. When it really comes down to it, what do I have control over? What do you have control over? I can control myself, my words, my actions, my thoughts. I have full control over myself. As parents of small children, you have control over small children for a while, but it's not very long that you move from that sphere of control to a sphere of influence. And let's look at that. Who do we influence? We influence our spouse. We influence our children, extended family. We influence coworkers, people that we have close relationships with. We have influence on them, right? Okay, let's move outside of that. We have a sphere of concern. And this can be any number of things. This can be our political climate. It can be the weather. It can be people out in the world. It can be our culture. The list could just go on and on. But let's look at it again. We have control over a very small group, and that's generally me. We have influence on other people, and we can move within that group, and we can influence others. But in that realm of concern, what can we do? We can pray about it. That's about as far as it goes. We can pray and hope that whatever that is in that sphere of concern might move into our sphere of influence. But let's look at it this way. If those things out there that are concerns for us, if those things constantly take our time and our effort and our energy and we constantly allow those things to affect our attitude within the sphere of influence or control, then it's sin. And we've got to look at it that way. We sh should not allow those things that we have absolutely no control over to affect our attitude in such a way that it affects our relationships. You know, we, we've all heard the saying, birds of a feather flock together. We tend to hang around people of like mind, don't we? We need to be very careful. If we are around people constantly that have a negative attitude, sooner or later that's going to rub off on us. And we may have the attitude that we want to influence them for good, but we need to be very careful. And if we see our actions changing to where we are acting like them, to where we have a negative attitude, then we need to make changes. We need to... If we can't have an effect there... We need to choose different friends. Next, I want us to, to look at how our attitudes are chosen. They are not given. You know, our culture says that we are a product of our environment, and that's, that's true to a degree. As we grow up in our homes, as we have influences as young children, those things tend to shape us. 
And that's so true. We need to, as parents, be careful about how we influence our children. But you know, the Bible also tells us that even though we are affected by our environment, we were created with the ability to choose for ourselves, that ability or that, that sense of free will. And through our faith in Christ, we are given the power to transform our attitudes in our lives. Again, we are affected by our environment. But if that environment is bad, if it has bad influences, we need to allow the Word of God to change our heart so that we can rise above that, so we can change, so that we are pleasing to God. Galatians 5, beginning in verse 13, it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Paul appeals to our position in Christ and reminds us we can choose the focus of our heart and the attitudes of our minds. When I think about this, I think of people in my life, and, and we all have seen it, people that have gone through, walked through some very extremely difficult circumstances. That may even be us at times. We all go through difficulties in life. But I so admire those people that we see walk through those very difficult situations and they do it by making a choice that I'm going to serve God and I'm going to allow my life and the way I re respond to those things to glorify God. To me, that is so beautiful. When we see people in very difficult situations and they make a choice, to glorify God. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2 says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Our attitude should always be a work in progress. Ultimately, if we have a bad attitude, that is a result of our own fears, our own hurts, and simply our pride. As long as we live in this world, it will be a struggle. But you know, Paul gives us great hope. As he writes in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Putting off the old self and putting on the new self is a struggle. It's a struggle that we all go through on a daily basis. But you know what? We have tools. We have tools to handle these struggles. That, those tools are God's Word and this body of people right here. We have an influence on one another. We can encourage one another. And we can help 
each other as we deal with life's difficulties. Again, let's go back to Philippians 2. Paul gives us great insight as he writes to the believers here. Again, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being one accord, of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So what is the admonition? Don't be proud. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people but rather put others before yourself. That's very simple advice. If we follow that advice, we can enjoy better relationships, and we can be the kind of people that others want to be around. And then Paul takes it a step further as we read in verse 5 of that same chapter. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. I want us to think about that. Think about Christ. We have been told to have the same attitude that Christ had. Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, came from heaven, came to this earth, took on the body of a man. He lived an humble and an innocent life, and then gave himself to die a criminal's death on the cross. He did that for you, and He did that for me. And then we have the gall at times to turn around and say of our own bad attitude, well, that's just the way I am. People are going to have to deal with it. Shame on us. Imagine the impact that our lives could have on those around us if we pattern our attitude and our actions as our Savior, Jesus Christ. How would this affect the way we treat our families, our friends, and our coworkers? You know, when the bills are paid, when our work is satisfying, when, when family relationships are good, <clears throat> it's easy to have a good attitude. But when life throws difficulties at us, and it will, at some point, we will all experience difficulties, how do we respond? Instead of reacting at what life throws our way, we can choose in advance what kind of attitude we will have regardless of what we experience. So what is it for you? What triggers a bad attitude? Is it something like the weather? Is it unpaid bills? Is it health challenges? Is it family relationships? Or is it something as simple as a presidential debate? Again, we get in this fear of concern and we internalize those things and allow it to affect our lives, to affect our choices and to affect our relationships. We must be intentional. <clears throat> we need to choose each day what kind of attitude we'll have. When we choose in advance to follow Christ, to have an attitude as Christ, we will be able to respond to whatever life brings our way.
You know, one of the greatest hindrances to the cause of Christ is a Christian who who acknowledges Christ with their lips, but then we walk out the doors of this building and our attitudes and our lifestyle denies that we even know Christ. It comes down to the fact that our attitude is shaped by what we feed our hearts. And I think we've all heard different versions of this story and different applications, but it's whatever we feed, whatever we put into ourselves, into our hearts, that's what's going to come out, and that's what's going to be evident in our lives. We've got to prepare our hearts. In Ezra 7 and verse 10, it says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. I think about Daniel. The Bible says of Daniel that he purposed in his heart. It's got to be a conscious effort with us each and every day what we're going to fill our spirit with. What are we going to internalize? What are we going to allow to influence us? I want to read from Psalms 119. I want to read several verses there, beginning in verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than the honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Psalms 119 is a very long reading, but I would encourage you to go and read that in its entirety. I think you'll find as you read that psalm, most every verse makes some reference to God, to His knowledge, to His Word, and how that affects us. You know, we will find exactly what we look for. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Now I understand Jesus is talking about the importance of seeking the kingdom. But just a few verses earlier in Matthew 6, he discusses why we as Christians shouldn't worry about the day-to-day things that often consume our time, but rather to put our focus on God and His kingdom while trusting Him to provide the things that we need. Matthew 5-7 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And there's great admonition there, and I want to turn to Matthew 5 and read a few verses. These verses are the Beatitudes, and we're not going to break each one of them down, but I want you to listen as we read these, because I really think we'll find in Christ's teachings here that He's teaching us about our attitude, what our attitude should be towards His kingdom, what our attitude should be towards other people, and what our attitude should be about the world around us. Beginning in verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Extremely simple teaching by Christ and, and teachings that really defy the teachings or, or what we find around us in the world. Sometimes we look at them as being almost backwards, don't we? But it's so true, and it's about the attitude that we have. You know, our attitude is much like the lens through which we see the world. If our attitude is focused on things of God, we are more able to see things in a positive way. However, if our attitude is tainted by negativity, by victim mentality, by resentment, revenge, and anger, things that are not, are not of God, it is simply impossible for us to see the world in any other way than negative. I want us to consider the differences in the works of the flesh that Paul describes in Galatians 5, verses 16 through 21, and the fruits of the Spirit he lists in Galatians in that same chapter, 22 to 26. And we're not going to turn and read all those, but I want us to look at the list. Look at the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, lewdness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts, selfish ambitions, dissensions, her heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. Contrast those with the fruits of the Spirit that he goes on to list after that. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How often is it that these works of the flesh, either directly or indirectly, have an effect on our lives? It has an effect on our attitude, and it affects how we treat others. It affects whether we have those fruits of the Spirit in our life. You know, it simply comes down to that for which we ask, seek, and knock. The reality is that we find exactly what we focus our time and our energy on. When we, when we seek to expose flaws, find fault, and un undermine other people's credibility, we will have a very neg negative reality. On the other hand, when we seek blessings of love, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we'll find just that. The reality of our culture is that many people, including Christians, have become so consumed with negativity that it completely negates our influence in the world. Brothers and sisters, God is not served when Christians enter into shouting matches with other Christians. God is not served when we as Christians place partisan politics above loving kindness and faithful service. God is not served when we cry out as helpless victims. The lesson is yours this morning. I hope that if you have adjustments that need to be made, if there are things in your life that you need to consider and, and make changes, I hope that you will do that this morning. We are here as a body, and we offer the invitation, the invitation of Christ. If you're here today and you would like to be baptized, 
Or if you're here today and you need the prayers of the church, we would invite you to come as we sing the song of invitation.